Okay. Bruchim Abayim. Welcome to our Wednesday night cheer. Pashas Bay. There's a problem, of course, on the internet for a change. Never fails. One thing consistent, rely on the internet to be inconsistent. Um, anybody can help me out here with the internet back there? My internet went down. My internet went down. those who uh, missed me here on Skype for a few minutes till the internet gets straightened out hope you'll um, you can always make it up on the archive shear.us um, there's a lot of competition next door Today is the Shkede Shvat, as you all know. This week, Pasha's Boy. I'm going to try again to call out. As is customary, it is since Tata <coughs> is Lashon Heidah. Tata is Lashon of a lesson, teaching us a lesson always. Therefore, we have to learn the lesson not just from the Tata from this week's Pasha, but as well as the Shvat being the Dishir tonight. Was the culmination of the Shvat. I think you have a problem with my Skype. That's my noble assessment here. Either doesn't want to call the group, or it's not calling anybody. No, it's not calling anybody. It keeps closing off. <sighs> My sincerest apologies to everybody. Well, nobody's answering. That's what it is. <laughs> okay, enough. One more call out. We go later. Tafshin Membe is 1982. 
Maar ik schreef de schwaat, dat hebben we suddenly announced that I was going to speak. There was a crown of a sefer brought. And the Rebbe was sending this crown, I believe, to Israel for Achnas Sefer At that point, the Rebbe tied in, it was a Monday, the Rebbe tied in the Chitas of the day. The Chumash, the Tilim, and the Tanya, we study on each daily basis. With the Achnas Sefer With Rishchei Deshvat. Rishchei Deshvat is mentioned in the Tera. There are two Rishchei that are mentioned in the Tera. One is Rishchei Deshvat and one is Rishchei Deshmenachem Ov. Rishchei Deshmenachem Ov is the day that Aaron Akayim passed away. And therefore, as mentioned in the Teda, the day that Aaron Akrain goes up to the mountain and his soul is returned. Then Rishchidish Shvat, Rishchidish Ashtayasar, in the eleventh month, which is the eleventh month from the month of Nisan. On the eleventh month, says the Tera, the first day, Hail Mesha, Mesha began to speak these words. What were the words? On the eleventh month, on the first day, Rishchidish Shvat. Moshe began to speak the words of Chumash Devarim. Chazal tell us, our sages tell us, that Moshe Rabbeinu began to recite the entire Chumash Devarim on Eshchei and he terminated it, he culminated on Zayin Adar. Pasha's Bay, ironically, also has several beginnings to it. Amongst the beginnings in Pasha's Bay, Tara says, This month is to you as a first month. Rashi asked the question. All the sages asked the question. L'cha'ira, why doesn't the terrorist start by this Pasuk? All that we are learning, this, this is the first mitzvah that we are hearing in the Torah. First mitzvah the Torah is commanding us, the first commandment is HaChedesh Zelachem, which is the mitzvah of Resh Chedesh. 
So if the mitzvah is the first mitzvah, and until this point in the Torah, there is no mitzvah mentioned whatsoever, so the cheder, the question is, start with HaChedesh Zelachem. Start with this pasuk. Start with the concept of Rishchidish, the mitzvah of Rishchidish. What is the entire history and stories and everything beforehand? Why are they mentioned? Why are they brought down? Erev Tov. Oh, The question is also. What was going on in Egypt? Pare, yes, not. He wants to let them leave. He doesn't want to let them leave. What was he thinking? Where was he going with this? Something very wrong with him. Skype today. Have a spoon? Good. Don't forget a bracha. Okay, have a cookie. That's some chocolate. Question. Another question. They tell a story. <coughs> we know this world, the <coughs> wonderful world we're in. And he turned the, the first switch also because someone got someone turned it off. Turn them all on. This wonderful world that we're in today. Everybody's out for human rights and for. No, you turn them on. You turn them off. There we go. Yes, that we'll discuss that as well. They have beautiful things, the wonderful uh, animal rights. They're worried about the animals, have to take care of the animals and the wildlife. And the uh, fish in the sea and the go green. All the different protesters. I tell a story of a group, 50,000 people gathered together. What are they protesting for? They want freedom of speech. It's a beautiful thing. Freedom of speech is so important, so integral to our lives to be able to speak our our peace, speak our mind. (laughs) This guest speaker gets up at the podium. The hush over the crowd, 50,000 people standing there in wait. (coughs) Their breaths are abated. What is our sage going to tell us? He says, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is, because of our rally, because of our protest today, we've been granted freedom of speech. place goes ballistic. They're screaming, they're yelling, they're jumping and cheering. It's just an amazing sight. And he picks his hands up and the hush falls on the crowd again. He says, the bad news is, we have nothing to say. You have, it's beautiful, you have freedom of speech, but you have nothing to say. We have nothing to say because and ultimately at the end of the day, the person that wants to complain, wants to complain, wants to complain, they ask, what are you complaining about? I don't know. The story is told. At the time of the Bashemtov, there were many, many people that were extremely against the Bashemtov. Now, 95% or 99.9% of these people were misinformed people. 
I never met the Baal Tov, never saw the Baal Tov. But they were against him. They were against. What are you against? I'm against. I have nothing to say. I'm against the fact that you're not giving me a reason to complain. So they started telling stories that the Baal Tov is a sorcerer, he's a this, he's a that, and he makes a magic, he makes black magic, he doesn't use the regular... Uh, Rumor spreading and blaspheming, etc. There was a fellow amongst these type of people. They never had a little bit of a situation. His daughter, born perfectly normal child, in her early teenage years, suddenly became introverted. She became so introverted, she so withdrew from life, she wouldn't go out of the house, and then ultimately she wedged herself between the oven of the wall, the oven of the wall, and she sat there, that's what she would sit all day long, just moaning. And they tried to feed her, and they tried to wash her, they tried to keep her. The father was a sage of a person, he was a very big Talmud Chacham. The big Talmud Chacham that before this child started with these problems, was aiming to be one of the biggest Rosh Hashivas, the biggest heads of Yeshiva. Unfortunately, this tragedy befell the family, and the wife insisted that half a day he has to look after his daughter. So, if it's half a day he's looking after the daughter and the daughter never in this predicament, there was no time for sitting and learning. And they went, he was a wealthy man though. They went from doctor to doctor and they spared no money. But the doctors and the specialists and nobody had what to say. Then it happened. Then that tragic day took place where somebody walked into the house and said to him, you're in such a predicament, you're suffering so badly, why don't you take your daughter to the Baal Tov? He didn't say anything, he started just getting agitated and nervous. <coughs> Excuse me, when the guest left, he started to explode. I will not go to this man, I will not go to this idol tree, I will not go to this wicked man, on and on and on, banging on the table, screaming and yelling and tossing at when he finished his tantrum, his wife said to him, and your other option is what? What exactly other option do you think you have here that you're not going to tell? You're not going to take her. As a matter of fact, since you're not coming up with any option, I'm going to give you an ultimatum. Either you take her, or you give me a get, give me a divorce. Well, needless to say, this is not not the most ideal situation that he would look forward to. And therefore, acquiesced his wife, and he took...
he took an ex- a, 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 a quite a sizable amount of money in gold coins and he set off to the Bashem Tov. He was bringing uh, a gift to the Bashem Tov. He's going to bring a gift. Hmm? He figured that all this man wants is money. Isn't that real? He didn't believe in him. But his wife is going to send him. He's going to bring him some money and say, Here, take your money, leave me alone. He gets the measure bush and he comes to the marketplace of the city and he asks the people, Where's the Bashem Tov? And he sees. Well, just mentioning the name of the Baal Shem Tov, the people light up. They get so elated. They're so happy to just hear that someone's coming to the Baal Shem. But he paid no heed to this because he was not so happy about it. And he got his directions and he came to the house of the Baal Shem HaKadosh. And he parked the wagon in the back of the house unbeknownst to him, right outside the window of the Bashemtov's office. And he left his daughter inside. He comes around to the front of the house, he knocks and the chassidim let him in, and he tells the story, the predicament, and the chassid tells him, wait. The chassid goes into the Bashemtov, he comes back out, and he says, okay, the Rebbe will see you. He comes into the Bashemtov, and he's ready to scream, to yell, Actually, he was ready to turn around and just tell his wife, I went. But I not go in even. He said, I'm here ready. Something drew him to go inside. He walked inside. And he takes out the bag of coins, the gold coins from his pocket. He opens it up to show that there's gold coins. He puts it on the table and he says to him, Okay, here's your money. I'm leaving. Go make a miracle. Bashemtev looked at him. And just the stare from the Bashemtov froze this man on the spot. Bashemtov lifted with both hands the bag of money. And Bashemtov looked him in the face and said, I don't need your money. I don't want your money. It's worthless. And he took the money, he took the bag, and over his shoulder tossed it out the window behind him. The man was freaking out. That's 10,000 golden, 10,000 golden coins. Uh, it's it's a, a fortune for any given person. And they hear that Vashemtov just tosses it out the window like that. Before he could catch his breath, before he could say anything, he hears a voice, his daughter, screaming from outside. Daddy, come, daddy, come, quick. There's gold coins all over the streets here. What a wonderful city this is. There's gold coins all over. Come help me gather them. Daddy, come. And he runs to the window. There's his daughter. She has her hat off and she's putting all the coins into her hat. Immediately, without saying goodbye, without saying hello, she, he turns around, he runs out of the Bashanta's office. And he runs down to the daughter. He says to the daughter, quickly, quickly, get into the wagon before he asks for his money back because he did a miracle. This is how against the Balshamta people were. To see the open miracle and to say quickly, quickly, before he says he did a miracle, let's get out of here. Pare had this problem. Pare had just this problem. He watched one Makkah after another, after another, 
I didn't think twice. Didn't flinch. Therefore, in this expansion, Moshe and Aaron are quite fed up with this parry. I mean, let's go spade a spade. What do we think of our character of the story? <coughs> what an idiot. What a fool to talk like that. What a darn dumbbell. How dare you say such a thing? I mean, look what the Rav Hashem just did. Showed you that he did it with your money. He did it with... And yet, your denial. Mesh and Pari were in the same situation with Pari. Mesh and Aaron. The Ebishter has to tell them, Boy El Pari. I don't want to go anymore. I don't want to see this guy's face anymore. He's a dumb heretic, a lunatic. The Ebishter says, Boy El Pari. What does Boy El Pari mean? Says Mufarshim. It means, I am here. I am by Pari. God tells Moshe, I'm here by Pari. Come to Pari. Come meet me there. Interesting to note, later in the Pasha, when the Eden leave Mitzrayim, it says they left around about 600,000 Jews. And about 600,000. Count them. Yes, 600, not 600. What do you mean about 600,000? When the Jews entered, entered Egypt, it says they entered with almost 70 souls. Kishivim Nefesh. So there's one Mephedish that says... What is Kishiv Nafesh? Because the Behemoth is only 69. So, what does it mean, Kishivim? Well, because your have is more than the way I think. Well, that's one Mephesh. But another says that because the Abish had told Yaakov, I will go with you to Egypt. Mm-hmm. The Abish told Yaakov, I'll go with you to Egypt. The Abish entered Egypt with him. So, although he had 69, the Abish was the 70th. See, this is my question I don't understand. When the Jews were outnumbered, the, the Egyptians, when did you start like a civil war? Oh, that's something to understand. Anybody uh, well versed in the Blackberry, by the way? What's up with that? I lost my SMS uh, icon. Someone sends me a text message that doesn't come through. I can't find I have to go into the inbox, into the inbox to try to find it. It's a touch screen. Okay, good. Then the, you'll have a good blessing for me if you do fix that thing for me. It's driving me off my mind. Um, yeah, this was the question of the day. Huh? That'll be the question of the day on top of it. Oh, just for the record, for anyone that can, that's uh, well versed in history anywhere. We hear a story at the beginning of Shemais about a girl that went out to the rivers and she saw a baby floating and she put her arm out and the arm stretched and Batya Baspari. Whatever happened to her? Not mentioned anyway. We just don't know what happened to her. Anyway, back to the regular schedule program. Well, we're going to answer that question or it's a question. What was your question? I said, no, is that a question what you just said? That what? Paro's uh, was a daughter, right? Oh, what happened? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I have to look it up in the mirror. All right. Well, Gamar talks about all these plays, by the way. Whatever is it called from? Oh, Manor called? I called him. 
something really wrong with this guy. Akmar talks about all these plagues. There's different places. Where's the, word in the main one? Didn't Hashem harden Pari's heart? Hashem hardened Pari's heart. So why why was Moshe getting frustrated? Moshe was a human being. He was a human being dealing with this. I don't know. I don't remember. I would guess Pesachim you should have a few. Let's look it up. My mind is not focusing on that. Anyway. You're not supposed to ask somebody from focusing on one focusing on one thing about something else. Right. Try send me a text message around it to my phone and you'll see it doesn't come through there. Not a Blackberry message, a text message. I have BBM. BBM works, but, the, but even now the BBM stops showing the icon on top. It just gives you a, a sign on the on the icon. It doesn't give me. Start the phone. Huh? We start the phone. I think it might be right there. Try and see. So the question is, what is Bayel Pari? Why is God forcing him again to come to Pari? Pari represents mm-hmm. all the root of all evil. Pari Mitzrayim. And sometimes people think they just have to do more and more good things to be able to cu- overcome all their evil. But the truth is that in order to overcome their evil, they have to first wipe out the evil. They have to eradicate the bad before they can just do good and good. The bad has to be crushed, has to be wiped out, destroyed. So when God says to Moshe, come to Parai, in his palace where he lives, with all his glory, he was telling Moshe, seek out all the glory, all the evil and all the roots, and destroy it. I don't know why I keep losing you. Okay, I don't hear you, believe me. So the person in our daily lives, a person has to try to identify their primary desires, what they actually is driving them from doing not good and they have to eradicate that from their situ- from their system whether it be Lashon Hara whether it be kosher food whatever it might be they have to take it over and overcome these problems these obstacles as we talked before Shvat is the day that Moshe began Chumash oh, wow. and as the Pasuk says in the Torah. And also, it also, Pasha's boy is the beginning. Because Pasha's boy is the Pasha that the first mitzvah is mentioned. <coughs> also, we see that not only Pasha's boy, the first mitzvah is mentioned, which talks about Rish 
But the actual Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Jews leaving Egypt, takes place in Pasha's Boi. Pasha B'Shalach already, they're en route. But their actual exit from, from Golos is Pasha's Boi. Where do you unite all these concepts? You put the cell as well. Hmm? Shut off the Bluetooth, okay? Shut off the Bluetooth, I don't know. Whatever we have to do, too. Oh, don't worry about my battery. I just plug it back in again. Diagnostic tests. When the Pasuk says about Ashkadish, it says the words Ashkadish, Hazel Lachem. Ashkadish finishes with the letter Shin. Hazeh finishes with the letter Hey, Lachem finishes with the letter Mem. Mem, Shin, Hey is Moshe. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so since Rishchei Shvat is directly connected to Moshe, Rishchei brought down in the parsha here, Rishchei Lachem directly connected to Moshe. And since Moshe is the Moshe, just like the, it will be the Moshe in each and every generation, says the Zayar. Not only be Moshe in each and every generation, Moshe Ugeorishin, Moshe Ugeorachrin, he is the first and the last redeemer. So therefore, this is directly connected with, with the connection with the redemption of Mashiach. Similarly, we find Hachidish Azel Lachem is Gematria 424. 424 is the gematria of the word Kadas. By the Chuppah, when the Chosen gives the call of the ring, he says to Hariyat Mikodesh Asli, Kedas Moshe Yisrael. Heaven's name is going on with this thing today. Kedas also means punctual, exact. Just goes right off. I don't know. Kidas is exacting. And therefore, the person has to do the mitzvah, starting with the first mitzvah, has to do it to the level of Kidas of perfection. And also Kidas of 424 is also Gematria Mashiach ben David. So therefore, everything is intertwined from Achidish Zelachem, from the day of Meshach Rabbeinu starting Chumash Devarim, into the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the leaving of Egypt. And where does the leaving of Egypt start in our parsha? To each and every Jew there was light in their dwellings. The light represents the light of Terah. We have a few different problems with the Pasha and things of actions that take place in the Pasha. Firstly, Makas Cheshech. Nobody has nails, huh? Davai. Davai. 
I just cut my nails. Hmm? Text message doesn't work. Text message doesn't work. No. What does that mean? Text you, it won't come through. It won't come through here. Nope. But it'll go, it, it, you can send out first send of out, all. Yeah. And second of all, you can... Oh, I'll show you where to find it. I'll show you where you can find text message you sent me. I, I know where it is. Just, it, it doesn't. I've done it before. It's two cameras. The Torah tells us, the Medrash tells us that why did the Makas Cheshach come about? Why was the darkness for three days and the seven days in Egypt? The darkness in Egypt, the Makkah of Cheshach, was because during that time the Jews went shopping, window shopping. So they went to the houses of the Egyptians and they saw all the jewels, they searched through and they found all the jewels and the riches that the Egyptians had so that later, says Rashi when the Jews left Egypt they said, can you lend us this and this for our journey, when the Egyptians denied they had it they said they told them exactly where it was another sorry? no, another issue that came about here is during the time of Makas Cheshech, many Jews died. They, were ju- they died and they were buried. Very many. Four-fifths of the Jewish nation, practically. Who are these people? Now, the normal person, the normal reaction, when I tell you, people died during Makas Cheshech, Jews, so that you, the Egyptians should not know that it happened, your first reaction would be, oh, they must have been terrible sinners. They must have done terrible affairs if they got killed for this. They didn't merit going out of Egypt. Hmm. Then we look at the Jews that left Egypt. Amongst the Jews that left Egypt, you had people that were informants, that spoke Lashon Hara, that informed on other people, that Whoops. <laughs> that informed on other people, that went to the government on other people. Low lives. People that served idols, I mean the Zara. They went out of Egypt. So let me ask you who didn't? What sin did those other people do? You know the story with the. Famous story, I've told it before. Chadego? No. was in Mitzrayim. Who died in Mitzrayim by Makis Cheshach? The famous story with the parrot. fellow bought a parrot that used to swear a lot. I heard this. He used to swear terribly. And he told, he used to, uh, he used to tell the parrot, you better stop it, I'm going to punish you, I'm going to this, I'm going to that. Parrot didn't stop, it was relentless. It swore and it swore and it swore. He took the parrot, he knocked, put it into a cabinet in the kitchen. The parrot started banging against the door, cabinet door, banging, banging, banging. He was scared the, cab, the, cab, the parrot would kill itself. So he opened it up, took him out. Figured now he's going to calm down. The parrot comes out, starts cursing like a sailor. Takes him, puts him in a drawer. He's banging and zetting again. He's worried the parrot's going to get killed. 
brings him out, he's cursing like a cellar. Finally, he couldn't take anymore. He took the parrot and he threw it in the freezer. Bangs once. Shh. It's quiet. Uh oh. He killed him. There you go. Gotcha. There? Holy smoke. Anyway, the parrot comes out. Listen to the end of the story. It's very important. The parrot comes out and shuffles its way onto the man's shoulder. You know how the parrots perch themselves on the shoulders. And it gets on the shoulder. And the parrot looks at the man and says, Ark, what did the chicken do? <laughs> figure the chicken was killed and is laying in the freezer frozen. Right. So you figure that's what, he, that's what they get punished for. He says, <laughs> you became very quiet and subtle. Um, so what sin could these people possibly have committed? That they were not let out. If the idol worshippers and the and the blasphemers and the people that, that informants went out of Egypt, what did these people do? This is what these people did. Shimon Listen, they said we don't want to leave Egypt. They did not want to go out. So even those two other guys who read on Moshe didn't die. We have them later in the tailor, they're making trouble all the time. So why not That's what we're talking about. They went out because they wanted to leave. But the people that did not want to leave, this was a this was a crime, this was an Avera that was unforgivable to the extent that they were not able to leave Egypt for they were killed. Where do we find such thing? What was so horrific by what they did? Halacha, Yom Kippur forgives every sin. Yom Kippur itself, the day of Yom Kippur forgives the sins, all your sins. Except, except, <laughs> the rabbi sitting in a pulpit, you sit in a big shul with a chazan and a rabbi and a president and the chazans on the bima and singing and the rabbis on one side and the flag, the American flag and the Israeli flag on top, and the rabbi sits on one side and the president on the other side. Huh? You have a big show like that? Where did that one? Oh, but Rabbi Tanabam. Very nice. Huh? So, the shul, it's something to that, but ten, si- ten times the size. And this rabbi was a big rabbi. And he delivered a speech, people came from all over. On his Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets up. My it was Yom Kippur morning. Oh, you, you went on the Facebook there? Yeah. <laughs> I was drunk last night. It's Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's Yom Kippur day, and it's a gorgeous day outside. And the rabbi all of a sudden got a Yitzhahara into his mind, into his heart. He has to go play golf. To go play golf. It's Yom Kippur. But it, it started burning inside him. He has to go play golf. 
can't hold himself in. So next to his chair was a little door for his private office. And obviously he had a bathroom in there as well. So people didn't get surprised the rabbi went out the door. It was the middle of the services and the rabbi was plotting to go play golf. Somebody be yelling, no, no sound. There's no sound here? That's what he said. Should be. Oh, he told me here there's no sound. You still have no sound? Anyway, he goes, he gets, wow, I can't believe it. In order. Miracle. What's this 48 on top now? That's, that's your updates. That's how many updates I have ready? Yeah, that's your updates. You have to update your phone. What's the time? You don't have to update it. It makes it worse. The more you update it, the more worse it gets. Mm-hmm. Why is it not working? I'm going to call you again. This Sunday's one was Skype. Yeah. Anyway, he gets in the. Co- he he goes into his office. I can fix it. <laughs> goes into his office. Video call. Maybe, maybe and he goes out the window. No, this is only for the ear. The head, this is only headset. This is the mic. This mic is not working for some reason, so that's why I unplug it. Okay. Anyway. He gets in, he, he, he runs out of the school, he runs two blocks, he catches a cab, and he gets to the golf course, Anyu Kippur, and he gets to the golf course, and he takes his club, and he takes the ball, and he gives a zet, and he gets a hole in one. And he goes to the second hole, boom, a hole in one. Eighteen holes, and each one of them is a hole in one. Psh, amazing, right? Bigger problem, I don't know why. Um... I don't know why. Uh, keep video on. Yeah, the sound language. He goes, and the angels see this happen. And the angels come to God and they say, Rabbi This low-life man, this rabbi, walked out of his shul on Yom Kippur and went to play golf. And you rewarded him with 18 holes in one? How could you do that? That's, that's despicable. The Almighty says to the angels, Really? He had 18 holes in one? He says, Yeah. And who's he going to tell it to? You think the rabbi is going back to the shul to tell everybody, you know what I just did in your kippah? I went and got 18 holes in one. <laughs> but you know what it is to have 18 holes in one? You can't tell it to anybody? <laughs> so the punishment was worse than he imagined. So you printed out the paper. So therefore, the Taylor Gemara tells us, How about now? Do you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? Good. <laughs> yeah. Was he writing? Oh, now he hears me. Okay, great. Sorry.
The Gemara tells us, therefore, that Yom Kippur forgives everything except for the person that sins on Yom Kippur. Why? <clears throat> because if you say, I'm sitting here in Yom Kippur repenting so that I should be forgiven for everything, then you're sincere. But if you sin on Yom Kippur, then you don't mean it. You're denial of Yom Kippur. So therefore it doesn't have its effect. The people that didn't want to leave Egypt, they were they forfeited their merit. They forfeited their schust, and therefore they were not allowed to leave Egypt. That's why they were killed. That's why what they did was worse than anyone else. But we go back now, we revert to a different question. According to what it says, Rashi says that during these dark days, Shechipsu Yisrael, the Jews searched the Egyptian houses to find the gold and silver. But the Medish Tanchuma says that it was lit up before all the Jews exactly where all the gold and silver was. Now Rashi is not saying the same thing to Medish. Why? Let us remind everybody that Rashi only explains the exact explanation of the Pasuk. He doesn't go looking for something astronomical. We, as human beings, are given a merit, a schut, that we are mishtatef, we are mitzaref, we join in with everything in this world, with God. We're in partnership with God. And by thereby doing any mitzvah, learning any Torah, we are giving God, we are nurturing God. God therefore said, I don't want you doing miracles in this world, I want you to act normal, act natural. Do things with a cookie, make a bracha, do things with a lulav and essig, make a bracha, with your tefillin, put on your tefillin. Do all these things in a physical form and fashion. So that the mitzvahs can be elevated properly. So the concept of initzaltem as mitzrayim, the saving of Egypt, had to be done in a natural form, through nature. That's why Rashi explains that it was not a miraculous way that they saw it, it lit up, all the things lit up, but rather a chipsu. They searched for it. They did the, they went the natural the route, which was to go and to search out and to find it. Another thing that happens in this week's Pasha, they are given the Karb and Pesach. With the mitzvah Karb and Pesach, we find that a very interesting halacha. V'chol oral a person that does not have a bris milah cannot eat from the Karim Pesach. By the way, I'll tell you a very interesting message here that Karim Pesach fish cannot be eaten out of, out of Eretz Israel. Sorry? Cannot be eaten out of Eretz Israel. What? Karim Pesach. Why not? It's So the question was what happened here in Egypt? They brought a Karim Pesach. There's a medrash that says the entire nation was picked up and brought to Israel to do the Karim Pesach and brought back to Egypt. So they can leave Egypt. Uh, therefore, it, co- it congruently comes out with later explanations as to why and how they brought up once they didn't bring throughout the whole years in the desert, they didn't bring again. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway, 
Sheshirim, it says, Sheshirim Rabbah, the Pasuk says, Ad Shahamelech b'Misibah, till the king in his Misibah, what Misibah was there? And the, med- and the Sheshirim Rabbah says, the, she- the, ra- the Medish and Sheshirim, Ad Shemoshe v'Yisrael misubim v'ochlim p'scheihem b'Mitzrayim, until Moshe and the Jews sat down, gathered to sit and eat their carbon Pesach in Egypt. Amrulayim, they told him, Moshe Rabbeinu, Ten lanu manechal, Give us something to eat. Miyad, Moshe, Moshe said to them, this is what The one that is not circumcised cannot eat from this. Each and every one says, listen to this one. This is a powerful, possible, powerful statement. Each one took their swords from their from their sides. and they gave themselves a bris. Fascinating. So they can eat from the carbon pesach. They took the sword out of the sheet and gave themselves a bris. Now the mafarshim had a lot of questions on this. So how did they get betrayed? Hold on. Listen to the questions. Questions are powerful. It was Pesach. They're eating the current Pesach, it's Pesach, right? <coughs> if it's Pesach, if it's not Mila Bismana, if it's not the eighth day, you can't make the Mila on Yom Tov. Uh-huh. So how do they do the Mila on Yom Tov? That's one question. Another thing, it was at night. You don't do bris at night either. So we could say perhaps, according to the Medish says it, Nosan He took the sword mamish from his side and he gave himself a bris. What is the difference how he did it, if it was through a knife, through a sword, or through something else? So therefore we could say perhaps the Teretz, that the reason that they were allowed to do this by night and Yom Tif, because by Mila, it says Shalei mana, you cannot do it a normal way. With the regular Mila knife. Uh-huh. A regular Mila knife you cannot use on Yom Tov, you cannot use at night. Or a regular knife. Masha'enkein, Mila with a sword, that you can do whenever. Because it's a Melacha Shalei Kedarka. It's not a normal, not an ordinary Melacha. Okay. But we find later by Yeshua, where the Pasuk tells us, and the Jews came into Israel, they took this Charavim, they took their sword, and they did the Mila, again. How do we see that you can make Mila with a sword? So that's why the Medish says, no, they took Charbay al they didn't take a sword, a regular, clean, beautiful sword, they took the sword, they used a battle sword. A battle sword is not used for that. Uh-huh. Therefore, that was special. We find a very interesting contradiction in the Torah. The Rebbe spoke once about Thursday nights. People have a custom Thursday night to stay up all night. What do they do? They learn. They learn a whole night Thursday night. Who learns? Chsidim, Snagdim, everybody learns. But let's go visiting the Bismedish. 
We come into the Bishmedish, they may want seltzer because there's cups in the kitchen. <laughs> oh, now you can read from the bottle. Um, the Misnagat is sitting there, and he opens up a Rambam, and he starts to learn. And all of a sudden, he gets shocked. Oh my gosh, he says. I learned somewhere else in Rambam that the Rambam says a complete contradiction to what he says here. And he starts to search and to search. He embarks in the search and he spends hours looking in the search for that other source in the Rambam where the Rambam says something totally opposite. And he actually finds it. And he finds it and he starts going back and forth from one page to the next, back and forth. And he's all night long doing this. And then all of a sudden, about daybreak, he looks again inside and he says, Ooh! The Ramam adds this word here. By adding this word, it obliterates the contradiction. It wipes out the contradiction. It's not a contradiction anymore. Now the Ramam makes sense. This and this make sense. They fit. I, the word, was there the whole night. It didn't walk in now. But he feels satisfied that he found a contradiction in the Ramam. And he spent all night with his finger, and now he solved it. I think we missed Rabbi Milstein's wedding this week. Um, I think he made a wedding this week. I think he has some invitation. So, Rabbi Milstein's listening to the Shem Alta. Anyway, um, he goes and he gets ready for davening, and he davens for an hour, and he goes to eat something. And he lies down a few hours, wakes up, goes to Mikvah and gets ready for Shabbos. Now let's go to the Bismedish of the Chassid. The Chassid is studying a Maimer in Chassidus. The Maimer in Chassidus talks about all the, he- the heavenly spheres, about Almada, Tzilas, Debriya, Yetzira, Asiya, back and forth, and the different attributes of Chesed, Gevura, Teferes. This is Chinese, it's Greek. So, so confusing. And the more he gets into it, the more deeper he gets in, the further he gets from understanding it. And this chassid is toiling and troubling back and forth a whole night long and comes up with no solution. And the morning broke and the people are starting to come into shul already. And the chassid is so baffled by this maimach siddhis. There are so many things that are so deep in the Maimah he can't grasp yet. He just can't settle. And he runs to the mikveh and he comes up and he gets ready for davening he puts his talus on his shoulder and he's checking his scissors. He just can't get the Maimah straight. And he's standing there for hours trying to again think about this Maimah. And then finally he sees time to start getting ready over here. He quickly puts on his towels and twill and davens for two hours and quickly runs home, sees and helps little bit, runs back to the mikveh and goes into Shabbos. This is the difference between the two, how this one toiled on learning all night and this one toiled on learning all night, but this one came into Shabbos, a rested person, and this one still toiling over his maimah. In this week's parasha, the parasha tells us the mitzvah of tefillin. Rashi tells us, "Al shem shem arba batim kriyim teitafes," because there are four batim 
the Shalosh has four boxes, four par- four compartments, therefore it's called Tetafes. How do we know that, says Rashi? Tat, the word Tat, Bekisveshtayim, means two, because Pat, Beafriki, Shtayim. And Pat, means the word also means two. So that's how we know that there were four Batim, says Rashi, four houses. Now let's go to the next Chumash. As we spoke before, Meish Rabbeinu started on Chayi Shvat. He starts Chumash Devarim. And in Pasha Vezchanan, there's another Pasuk. And Rashi again explains for the Ben Chumash, the Mikra, <coughs> what does like Teitafes mean? Ayin Sham. Minyan, Hashem Minyan, Parshish Nikra Teitafes. It's because there are four parshas in the Sharaish. What happened here? In our parsha, he tells the Mechamesh the Mikra that Teitafes means there are four batim, there are four compartments. And Vaischanan, he says, there are four parshas. Why is Rashi confusing the Mechamesh the Mikra? In Mesechtis Kedushan, it says, the Torah begins to write about Tefillin and Petach Hamer. In order to enter into the land of Israel. Which means, The Jews had a commandment, an obligation with Tefillin, as soon as they were commanded about it. Not only when they went into the into land of Israel, in order to go into Israel, they had to put on film. So they therefore had the mitzvah prior to entering Israel. According to this, the Pasha of Vahoy Shema and Vahoyim Shemaya was said when? At the end of the 40 years that the Jews were in the Midbar. So in our Parsha in Parsha's boy, where they're just starting to go into the Midbar, there were only two Parshas. So therefore, there were two Parshas, but there were still four compartments in the Sharaish. Two remained empty. Therefore, Rashi has to explain later. And I hear it, Rashi explains there were four compartments. And in Neschanon already, before they're entering the Israel, they had four Parshas. So therefore, he mentions the four different Parshas. That is the difference. That's why Rashi settles the Benchamesh the Mikra. On a simpler note, in case someone says to you, tell us something about the part of today's year. I wanted to speak about Kishol Chabin Chamachar. The Pasik says, and it's brought down the Haggadah, when your child will ask you tomorrow, what's going on, what is this tale all about? Rashi explains, Machar means Yesh Machar. Achshav, Yesh Machar Lachazman. The word Machar can mean now, today, or it can mean in the future. What does it have to do with the child? There are some children that are living with us today, living with our way of life, living with our Torah. And there are some that say, I have nothing to do with this. Maybe down the line I'll, I'll catch up with you. But right now I don't want anything to do with it. Machar Lachazman. 
Kishalcha Bincha Machar, you have to see to it that the child gets put up to date in today's day. But for the, for the Dvatar of your week, Pare asks Moshe right in the beginning of the Pasha, if I let you go, very interesting question, he says, Mi Vami Haolchim. Who's going? Who's actually leaving here? Mi Vami Haolchim. Pare, are you off your mind? How many times are you being told the entire nation is going? And now you're asking once again, me, Vamiya Hilchim, who are the ones that are going? And what does Mesha answer? Yeah. Go out, serve your God, me, Vamiya Hilchim, who's going? Mesha answers, Binarenu, Oviskenenu, Nelech. Our youth, our elders are going. Our daughters, our ch- sons, sheep, and everything. Everything's going. Why do you say everybody? Why do you say all that? Excellent question. And also the question, what is he asking again? Miva The Balaturim is very into Gematrias. Listen to the Gematria, the words Miva Mi'ahilchim is Kolev Uben Nun. Kolev Ben Yefuna. And Yeshua bin Nun. Can I call you right back? I'm just finishing a share. Yeah, we're thinking. Ouch. Okay. You're listening to this kind this uh, shear. There's no oil left in school. We have no heating for tomorrow. Anyway, Miva Mi'ahilchim is Gematia Kolevu ben Nun. Pare says to Moshe, my stargazers saw that there's going to be Death in the desert. Everybody's going to die. There's going to be a decree and everybody's going to die. If they're all going to die, who's going in? Yeshua and Kalev. Only they're going in. Why torture everybody? Meshach says, you didn't see everything. The decree in the desert is going to be for anybody between 20 and 60 years old. Binarenu, under 20. Okay. and over 60 Nelech they're going in and Bivaneinu Bivanaseinu and our children are going in that's why he enumerates it because he's saying you might be right people are going to die but they're only between 20 and 60 so Kalev Menun you saw Kalev Menun but the Mivamir Hilchim is Binareinu Bizkaneinu there's going to be a substantial amount of people of the nation going in and now we tell everybody Shabbat Shalom. Hopefully this Shabbos we go out of this Golis as well.